Has there ever been a moment when you prayed, but you thought, this is really just a formality? Has there ever been a moment when, when you know as a believer, that's what I'm supposed to do, but, but you already think in your mind that this is a foregone conclusion? I'm not sure my words are going to change anything or make things different. You prayed for that couple that's having trouble in their marriage, but you, you think in your heart of hearts, that's going to end in divorce. Or maybe you're praying for, for healing for that person who's in the hospital, but you think they're never going to leave that building. Or maybe you pray for your adult children to come, come back home to Jesus, but you see the crowd that they're running with and the decisions they're making every single day, and you think, I- I'm not sure that they're going to say yes again to kingdom life. And if you're anything like me, you've had that moment before in your life where you know as a believer we're called to pray, but maybe in your heart of hearts you just didn't really go there. You weren't sure if that was what was going to happen, what you were praying for. We're going to unpack Elijah's prayer today in 1 Kings chapter 18. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We'll be there in a few moments. But you might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the power of prayer. Because church, one thing I want us to leave here this morning hearing loud and clear is that God answers prayer. Prayer changes things. And it changes me and you as well. And we prayed for all kinds of things along the way. But but a few weeks ago, we, we prayed as a church that we would be strong and have power so that the world around us could see how God influences and changes our life. We prayed for the courage to retell our faith story so that those in our circles of influence could see how Jesus has changed and moved us in a direction. We, we prayed for unity as a body of believers so that the world could better see Jesus Christ. That's our hope and our prayer. We want to be kingdom people. And so we're looking at the life of Elijah to discover what does a kingdom person look like. And today we're going to specifically talk about a prayer that he has towards the end of chapter 18. But we're reminded that that Elijah himself wasn't a, a miracle guy. It wasn't him that was functioning in that capacity. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 5 that Elijah was a human just like we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And so what we discover is some encouraging news based upon the story that we're working through, the story of Elijah and how God used this powerful man of God to do great things in the story of God. But we also discover that He, like us, we're just regular people in God's story. It's the submission part that we need to come in terms with to discover how we're called to be used in God's story. And prayer is one of those avenues where we can come in touch with God's will for our life and our submission to what his story plan is in our life. Because church, we want to be people of prayer, don't we? We, we want to have the kind of life every single day where when our feet hit the floor, it's not an afterthought, but it's one of the first things we do in the context of any given day that we give God a conversation, that, that we talk to him, that we bring specifically what we're hoping for in life, not to, to bring us glory, but for his glory, that everything would happen just as it should be. 
We recognize by looking at the story of Elijah that there is power in prayer. And our story continues this morning, 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 42. It says, But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Now, he's climbing Mount Carmel again, and I want to remind us of the story where we came from. Last week, we had 450 prophets of Baal and the one prophet of God. They both built altars, and they invited the entire nation of Israel to come and watch who is the real God. Whoever sends fire from heaven, that is the real God. And we know that the 450 prophets of Baal chanted and danced and prayed all day long and nothing really happened. But then Elijah has one prayer. Fire from heaven comes down. It is so hot that it literally liquefies even the stones on the altar. And the entire nation says, the Lord, he is God, Jehovah, he is God. Now, the rest of that story, which we didn't go into, was the entire nation of Israel then took the false prophets down to the valley, and they, they, they did away with those prophets. Let's just put it that way. So now we're back in the story where Elijah climbs the mountain again. Verse 43. Then he said to his servant, go and look toward, out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I, I didn't see anything. And seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Church prayer is powerful. It changes things. In our own prayer life, God wants us to come to him with authenticity, with specificity, with a desire to passionately live out his story But he wants us to be truly authentic when we come to him, not just surface level, not just generic. And while God answers all kinds of different prayers, I think God wants us to be specific so that we can see that it's only because of him that that thing happened. It's in his power and his glory that anything really happens. King David knew this. Mighty, powerful David shows us what authentic prayer looks like, very specific focused prayer. In Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, King David says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And this is a moment when David is running away from his enemies. He's not yet the king. He's been anointed as king And he's asking when God's going to come to his rescue. Very specific, very focused, but very vulnerable and authentic in his prayer life. Like we're called to be in our own prayer life as well. And today as we unpack the the prayer of Elijah, my hope is that you and I will take away four different things that make prayer effective and powerful. Four different things that our prayer life really should look like based upon the story that we're unpacking. And the first one is this, that effective prayers are humble prayers. Elijah climbs to the top of the mountain, and when he arrives, he bends down with his face to the ground as he begins to pray. Now, you remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about prayer life and body posture within prayer context, God, God will listen to you any which way but loose. It's a throwback to an old baby. But he will. And so we talked about some different positioning that you and I can have. And some of us pray while we're driving down the road, hopefully with our eyes open. 
But we're praying with upcoming moments that are about to happen, that, that conversation, that breakfast with a friend, the, the people around you that you might not even know, praying that they know Jesus or come to know him. You're praying maybe on the way to work. There is a moment when maybe you're on your knees praying like Elijah in our story, and it's this feeling of submission. Like God is here and I am here, and I'm very aware of that. He is in control. And what we find in prayer, church, is that we are in control of nothing. But our God is. He is in control of everything. Elijah in the story knows that. He's coming in submission on his knees. Maybe there might be a time in your life, your prayer life, where you are prostrate, Straight out on the ground, hands out, face on the ground, because you are intensively asking God to hear your prayer, to come to your rescue, to make restoration, to fix the things that you want fixed in life. Maybe it's just sitting in a chair and it's kind of like this feeling of just talking to your dad about the day and what's going on. God will listen to your prayer however you offer it, but in our, our context, what we see is this humble approach where Elijah is on his knees with his face on the ground, recognizing that he serves an incredible God, just like we do. The same God, submissive in his posture. And within him is this spiritual understanding of his place in God's story. It reminds me a lot of John the Baptist when he is baptizing in the Jordan with his disciples and he sees the Son of God, he sees Jesus on, on the bank of the Jordan. And in John chapter 3 and verse 30, John says this about Jesus. He says, Jesus must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. And church, if, if that's not the first prayer that we utter in the mornings, then we're missing it. Because every single day of our life, it's about bringing him glory, is it not? It's about living in such a way that our words and our actions bring him glory, not about me. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And I know there have been moments in your life when you have humbly submitted to God in prayer, asking him to remove the cancer. There have been moments when you've humbly asked God to heal the marriage. When you've humbly asked God to allow that loved one or that friend out of the ICU unit. There have been moments in our life when we've asked God to, to take away the addiction. I've tried everything. God, you're the only one who can do this. There have been prayers so that the infertility goes away and that we can have, to have children. There have been moments when you've asked him to heal the pain you're feeling in your life because of the loss that you experience in the empty chair that's at the table. There have been moments when you and I have prayed for our children who were far away to come back home to Jesus. And my guess is, if you're anything like me, you've, you've seen quiet moments where it seems like nothing is happening, but you've also seen the moments when God has fulfilled your prayer. And so we humbly ask him to come into our life and grant those things that would give him glory, not our glory, but him glory in our life. James, the half-brother of Jesus, knew this very idea. And he says in James chapter 4, he says, As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up and honor you. So God reminds us, as our story in, in 1 Kings unfolds, that we come to God 
in humble adoration, recognizing that he is God and we are not. But not only this humble aspect, but effective prayers also are specific prayers. And I know you and I ask generalities many times because there's a lot of times that you don't want the world to know the crisis going on in your life that you want prayer for. And God hears those prayers. He answers those prayers. We will pray for that for you. Kyle mentioned at the front end of our service that connect card at the very bottom, the prayer request. And we want you guys honestly to fill those out as detailed as you can because we want to be specific in our prayer life. But we also recognize there might be moments of confidentiality, and we respect that. But I do believe that specific prayer accomplishes much. No time, no doubt on social media, you've seen like I have a very specific prayer for a friend in need, and, and you're not exactly sure what to pray for. You offer the prayer, but I think if you and I knew exactly what the need was in our life, can you imagine a hundred voices in a very specific moment praying to God for that one thing that you think needs to happen? And in our story, that's exactly what Elijah does. Elijah says, God, this is going to be something that only you can do because guess what, God? For three and a half years, we've had no rain in Israel. Everything is dying, including your people. And so we're asking you now, God, bring rain. That's pretty specific. But I think sometimes in our own life that we don't pray very specifically because we're afraid it won't be answered. And so the challenge is that you and I as believers in an almighty God, in a risen Savior, would be very specific in our prayer, knowing that if it falls into God's storyline, then it's going to come to fruition. We believe in that kind of prayer because you and I have seen it. You, you and I have seen moments when we prayed for that person in an ICU bed who was in a, a coma and literally are now back worshiping at this congregation. You, you and I have seen moments when the children have been away and yet now have come back home. You've seen moments when you were trying to make ends meet and praying for that career path that would bring you joy and allow you to put food on the table and doors have opened for you to, to access that. God is an incredible God. And he wants to give you so very much. But James, again, nails it for us in chapter 4 when he says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And so the call this morning is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, would be very specific in our prayer life. That we would ask God specifically to do things that only he can do so that he gets the glory, not that we get the glory. Another piece of, of his prayer is that effective prayers really are persistent prayers where we come back time and time and time again because there are moments in our life, I know when I've prayed, and I haven't seen the result that I wanted. I haven't felt like God is leaning into what I'm asking him desperately to fulfill. But we go back time and time again. There's a story about a, a three-year-old little girl who was in the kitchen with her mom where her mom was getting ready to cook dinner, and the little girl wanted a cookie. There was a cookie jar on the counter, and uh, she kept bugging her mom about the cookie, and the mom said, no, it's going to ruin your dinner. You can't have the cookie yet. But the little girl kept asking, mom, but I want a cookie. Well, you can't have a cookie. Dinner's coming. Hang on. 
Mom leaves the room for just a minute, but when she comes back in the kitchen, this three-year-old has built an elaborate ladder of chairs, kitchen chairs, up to the counter, which she is now on with the lid off and her hand in the cookie jar. And the mom comes around the corner and says, what did I tell you about a cookie? And she says, I was getting it for you. And when the mom says, I don't want a cookie, well, then can I have it? <laughs> we got to be that persistent in our prayer life, church. Well, we go back to God time and time again, asking him to bless us, to make happen what we feel would bring him glory in our life. Verse 43 shows that for us in our, in our story. Seven times, Elijah asked his servant to go look out over the sea and tell me what you see. Can you imagine that servant? I, I can't imagine his frustration the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. Elijah, there's still nothing there. I'm not sure that your prayer life is in order. I'm not sure things are coming out like you hoped. But what we discover about Elijah is true for us too. Elijah does not let the outward appearance of things distract what inwardly he knows God is going to do. And so he stays focused. He keeps on praying in church, so should we. We keep going to God time and time again. God, I know you have the capability. I know you're all powerful. I humbly submit to you. Please hear my prayer. James says again in James chapter 5, he says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And you may be sitting here this morning thinking, Well, Tim, you don't know my past. I'm not a very righteous person. I've been down some roads I should never have been on. Now, here's the beauty of that comment. Church, there is nothing that you and I can do to make ourselves righteous. Our righteousness comes from being found in Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. And there is nothing we can do to, to get us into heaven, to make us righteous before God. It's only his son, Jesus Christ. So if you are a believer in that risen Savior, if you've been baptized into his name, guess what? You're now a righteous prayer person. And God hears your prayer. There's a, a parable or a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. It's the parable of the persistent widow. And there is a, a widow in this town who has been wronged. And so there is a magistrate or a judge in the town who says neither fears God nor the people in the town. He's going to do his thing the way he thinks it should be done. And the widow the first time goes to the judge and she's asking for vindication. She's asking for justice. And because of her standing in the community, the judge pushes her away, pushes her away. She keeps coming back time and time again. He's pushing her away until finally the judge says, you know what? I'm going to grant this widow what she's asking, the justice that she's looking for, because she's just going to keep coming back. Jesus interprets that parable for us. And he says, the judge is your God and you are the widow. You keep coming to God time and time again until you get a firm answer on how it should be. So the question is this morning, what have you stopped praying for? Have you stopped praying for the marriage to be reconciled? Have you stopped praying for, for your children to really know Jesus? Have you stopped praying 
that the healing would take place and the cancer would go away? Have you stopped praying for that family feud that has gone on for years for that relationship to be cemented and, and whole again? Have you prayed for, for your friend group who clearly are not following Jesus, that you would be an influence in their life for good? Have you stopped praying for our political system, which is in absolute turmoil right now? Have you stopped praying that we'll, racially we would all be unified recognizing that we're all made in the image of God. What is it that you've stopped praying for persistently in your life that you and I need to reconnect to and keep going back to God for? And finally, effective prayers are expectant prayers. In verse 44, we, we've read that that he's looking out over the sea and there is no massive system. There are no dark clouds. There's no, no F5 tornado going on. There's no supercell thunderstorm. There's no lightning, but just the cloud a size of a man's fist. You see, Elijah knew what God was going to do and that it would be miraculous. It wasn't he checked the weather and it looks like there's some clouds blowing in today. So today's what I'm going to reveal that God's going to let it rain. No, it didn't look like that at all. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, he says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Jesus says you can pray for anything. Now, again, what I want and what God's story wants might be two different things. But remember what James said just a few minutes ago? You don't have because you don't ask. Our story continues in verse 45. After Elijah's prayer, it says in 45, And soon the sky was black with clouds, and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. It's something only God could do. But it happened because of Elijah's kingdom heart and mentality to be a man of prayer. And so we wonder in our own lives, what could God accomplish if we were connected with him every single day? What if that was our intent rather than just when things were tough or in the one moment of focus of the week that every single day we got up and communicated with our Heavenly Father authentically, realistically, specifically about the things we want to happen in our life, church, because I know and I've already said, God answers prayer. And he wants to answer your prayer as well. And he will do so in great and mighty ways when we come before him humbly, specifically, and expectantly. I mean, how, how expectant are you in your prayer life? I mean, do you believe? Do you expect the marriage to be healed? Do, do you believe the hospital room to be vacated? Do you believe that the relationship between you and your parents would be close again? Do, do you believe that God is going to keep growing his church no matter what's happening in the world around us? Do, do you expect God to come into your life and show you new ways of telling your story that you never dreamed of? Do you expect your adult children to come back to Jesus? Do you expect 
that God would use you in a way that only he could make happen. That's the challenge for each and every one of us today. Is that church, we would be people of prayer just like Elijah, that we would humbly come before our God, that we would recognize he is God above all gods, that it is only him that we serve him in his story. And so we humbly ask him to interact in our life and to create avenues that would help the world celebrate who he is. So this morning, that's the challenge for me and you, is that we would become people who are prayer people, kingdom people, asking God to do something in our life that only he could do so that he'll be glorified, not me. Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. As we sing this next song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And my guess is in a room this size, we've got folks here who, who have worry, doubt, and anxiety in your life. And I want to encourage you to go find one of those shepherd couples and let them pray for you and over you. That you can be reminded God knows you, knows your story, is personally walking with you. He has not left you. And just to be reminded that you are part of his family, a child of God. I'm going to pray for us just that our minds and hearts would be open in the week that's in front of us, that we would be receptive to become people like Elijah. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be together as one today. We acknowledge, God, that you are the God of the universe. And in so you, you can do anything that you want to do. Help us believe that. And God, we come to you with all of our different life stories this morning, the difficulties going on in our life, the hope fors that we're reaching out to grab. And my prayer, God, is that you would hear our individual prayers and our prayer as a church, that we would be the people you've called us to be. Help us to be strong and powerful so that the world can see Jesus. God, help us to have the courage to tell your story so that our circle of influence can see Jesus. And I pray, God, that we would be unified as your people so that the world can see there's a better way in Jesus. God, we love you. We give this prayer to you. We lift up the name of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together as a family of God.